crippling thoughts and dramatic mysteries, wonderful worlds of fantasy, denying love of the heart that beats within your chest, or is it just your imagination? Let's dive into a world of novels as we read books from all over, from writing and reading reviews to interviews, one-on-one sessions, and honest writing opinions. Let's keep it real on Mystical Mode. What's good, you guys, and welcome to another episode of Mystical Mode, where I give you guys my best opinions, and hopefully you won't kill me for them later. Today, we're reviewing the story The Six Guardians by author Jill Hope. This story, it is up on Inkit, and guys, 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 when I tell you, when I tell you, when I tell you, this story is, first off, funny, hashtag Team Lucas Forever, I know, twilight thing i'm just saying lucas because that's my favorite character in the story and also it's just so creatively written and i love the backstory behind it the characters themselves oh my god if they're not making me laugh they're making me cry if they're not making me cry they're making me like so much more but aside from that i i don't know i really like the story and the author is also pretty cool we actually just got done an interview, so you guys would definitely see that interview session for this Friday's episode, so stay tuned for that and so much more. I tell you guys, the conversations that we have are funny, she is an, an amazing writer, as far as I can tell, and her writing capabilities are definitely up to par. But aside from that, they are up on Inkit, they do not have anything in their bio, but guys, they have Twitter, so definitely follow that Twitter account, like, share, comment, you guys know the drill. The story is The Six Guardians and is a trilogy series to God off the top of my head, cannot remember. I believe it's a trilogy series to book one of the Guardian Chronicles. Yeah, I believe that's right. Book one of the Guardian Chronicles and stuff like that. So guys, read the story and actually enjoy listening to the story because we have a bunch of new actors in the show so give them some room give them some space because we all know how voice acting can be sometimes it's easy sometimes it's hard you know especially when you're being introduced to the industry by itself like you just never know nowadays like give them encouragement give them hope and so much more but you guys already know enough of me blabbing on on and on and on let's get into the story as we get into a more mystical mode this was recorded through the following actors righteous reading dialogue and minhi marissa reading dari mystic reading ari and pininya ilias reading hector and the priest keon reading lucas enjoy the story Warning, this episode may include strong language, mature themes, descriptions of blood and gore, viewer discretion advised for mature audiences only. Back to the episode. Prologue. The sun shone down brightly on this hot summer day. The people of the town were busy at work trying to sell their wares to the travelers and they were passing through, and children were playing in the shade and occasionally splashing into a small pond to cool off from the hot sun. It was an idyllic place in an old world, but it wasn't entirely as safe as it appeared. Snakes often hide in tall grass or deep shadows. The monarchs were drawn to this town, and everyone knew who the monarchs were. 
They were guardians, a race of supernatural people that existed to protect and preserve humanity. Anytime the monarch showed up at a city or village, that meant the townspeople were going to be protected from something. One might think that the monarchs were bad omens, but the humans didn't see it that way. The monarchs always won their battles and always protected the people, and they were well loved for everything they had done. They had even been crowned as the leaders of humanity because of their dedication. The monarchs rode in on horses, looking entirely heroic. Derry led them, her dark, tight curls framing her face elegantly as her dark skin shone warmly in the sunlight. She was often seen as the leader of her group. Even if she insisted they were all a team, she wasn't more important than any other. A piña rode just behind her, and she smiled pleasantly as she saw the humans just ahead. She tucked her thick, straight black hair behind her ear and wiped a bead of sweat from her tanned brow. It was a very warm day, and she was grateful to only be wearing their light armor at this time. Minnie was behind her, looking around absently and seeming almost as if he was daydreaming. His skin was very pale in comparison to the first two, and even his eyes were a lighter shade of brown, but his eyes were narrow and soft-looking. He had short, light brown hair and was ruffled lightly by a warm breeze that blew through. He appeared as the most gentle-looking of all the monarchs. Hector and Jacob were riding side by side, having a chat about the last time they'd been in the region fighting monsters. Hector had silvery blonde hair with skin a shade paler than Minnie's, and his eyes were light green. He was very expressive with his big eyes and bold features, which always brought a smile to others. Jacob was quite the opposite, with dark tan skin, black hair that hung just below his shoulders, and was back in a ponytail. He had a round face, narrow eyes, not unlike Minnie's, and he had an easy smile. He also couldn't hide his feelings very well, as he was prone to emotional outbursts, but he was the youngest of the monarchs after all. A group of servants followed directly behind Hector and Jacob, one for each monarch. These servants were willing humans that had come to their castle to help them in their daily lives. When the monarchs had been called leaders of the humans and the crowns had been forged, the humans came to serve, and so the monarchs were grateful. They needed people to help them with their sudden responsibilities as leaders, since it was far more than they had before. These humans were trustworthy to them, and they seemed grateful for a life serving their greatest heroes. Lastly came Luca, as he often rode behind everyone in their group to make sure they weren't being followed. He had the sharpest features of everyone with his sharp jawline and cheekbones, and everything about him was very stern. He had bright blonde hair and icy blue eyes, and a spattering of freckles across his nose and his cheeks because of spending so much time in the sun. He was the only one wearing heavy armor at the time, because he had been on watch duty last night, and they had been concerned that the monster group that was hunting nearby might attack them. From the sweat on his brow, it was clear he was anxious to remove this armor soon. The monarchs were immediately surrounded by the humans of the village as they held up fruits and baskets and whatever wares they had from their market stalls. Please, monarchs, take our gifts. We wish for your continued grace and protection, a woman cried as she held up a basket of fruit to them. Don't these gifts belong at the temple? A piña asked as a basket of freshly picked corn was thrust into her arms. You must give your gifts to the immortals. The immortals do not hear us, lady, an elderly man said as he leaned on his cane. You must know this, since that is why you have begun protecting us with such fervor. We protect you because that is what we were created to do. Minnie said politely as he looked at the humans that pressed so close they couldn't even dismount their horses. But we do love you greatly, and so we will protect you whether the immortals hear you or not. 
Thank you, good people, Dari said in her strikingly feminine voice. We have come to protect you from a monster attack that we believe will strike tonight. We wish that you would all stay inside your homes as soon as the sun begins to set. We will keep you safe tonight. There were cheers and lots of praise being showered on the monarchs for their good works and their foresight to be able to track the monsters and know their town was in the path of destruction. Now they would live to see another day, all thanks to the monarchs. The monarchs dismounted their horses and their servants came around to take their horses to be watered and fed. A heavy-set man quickly approached and bowed before them. Won't you come and stay at my inn, great monarchs? I assure you there will be no charge, he said with a warm smile. There must be some charge. Aside from our numbers, there are six servants. We'll need a great many beds, Hector said as he tilted his head curiously. Please tell us what you'd have us pay for a night. I cannot charge the monarchs and their honored servants. Nonsense. Now come and follow me, the innkeeper said as he turned and bustled towards the nearest building. We'll leave payment in the door before we leave, Dari said with a wink to Hector as she turned to begin to follow the innkeeper. You bring a curse upon us. The monarchs looked back and saw a priest standing at the entrance of a temple. He looked furious, and they could only assume this had to do with the ongoing issue between the temples and the monarchs. It was seen as a grave sin to not offer gifts to the temples of the immortals, but lately the humans had only been offering gifts to the monarchs, wherever they would go. Some would even make pilgrimages to the monarch's castle to leave gifts there. And how have we done this, priest? Luca asked as he turned around to face him. He looked intimidating with his shining armor and sharp features. He sounded mocking in his tone, or perhaps condescending. You know very well, you foolish creatures. You take gifts that are not intended for you, and you may have been created by the one, as the immortals were, but you are nothing like them. Can you create land and sea? Can you create life itself? The priest exclaimed and waved his hands. Ari is here, and the immortal of the rising sun has come to put you in your place. All the monarchs turned around quickly to look at the priest now. Luca's brow furrowed and the rest looked concerned, but not quite afraid. The humans around them began to chatter fearfully and one adolescent girl reached out and grabbed the back of Apina's tunic. My lady, please protect us. She whispered. Apina looked back at the girl and put a hand on her cheek gently. Mm, have peace. It'll be alright. At that moment, Ari stepped out of the temple in all of his furious glory. The priest was kneeling down with his head bowed, and in their fear, every other human followed suit to kneel and bow their heads. They did not want to be stuck down by this very real immortal, and had appeared inside their small village for the first time ever. Ari was tall, as most immortals were, and had bright orange hair, freckles trailed across his face, and his skin was tan darkly. His eyes were a deep green, and his gaze was fixed on the monarchs in their shining armor. Here you are again, Ari said in a booming voice. Here you are, meddling with my people and receiving their first fruits when they haven't visited my temple since the last harvest. How is that our problem, Ari? Luca questioned as he stepped forward. Luca? Dari said in a warning tone, but it seemed he wouldn't need her. Ari looked upon Luca with a cold stare. You do not deserve the constant praise. Why should they pray to you and worship you? Prayers are meant to be answered by immortals, 
You are nothing but a wisp on this planet of existence, and you were never intended to have any sort of ruling power in this realm. Lord Ari, Dari began, respectfully, before Luca could say anything spiteful. We don't want to have any trouble with you. We often encourage the people to pray to their immortals. We are not asking for them to give us gifts that belong to you. And yet they do it anyway. <laughs> Ari spat. Don't try to act innocent. You're living above your means. You can do more than we can. Your existence is far more than ours is. Why take issue with us for doing what we love to do? We only wish to protect humanity. Luca continued angrily. Luca. You're scaring the humans. Why egging on his wrath? Pena agreed as she put her hand on her hip. <clears throat> Lord Ari. We cannot control what the humans do. They were given the free will by the one. We apologize if we offended you, but we only wish to continue serving the humans. If they choose to see us as leaders, then why is that so bad? Because they worship you as though you'll live forever, Ari said as he began to approach them. But you won't. You'll bleed and you'll die. I'll make sure of it. The monarchs tensed up at the very clear threat. Most of his threats weren't frightening to them, because they didn't feel like he would ever actually harm them. He was just like a very powerful child throwing a tantrum that he wasn't getting all the attention he wanted. But now it was clear that he had had enough of them, and he wasn't going to tolerate how much control they had taken over humanity anymore. It doesn't have to come to that, Ari. Dari began, but he almost immediately cut off her sentence. It has already come to that, hasn't it? You changed the order of things, monarchs, Ari said as he turned and began to walk back towards the temple as his robes whipped around him dramatically. You may think that what you've done is harmless, but it is not so. You have taken too much from this world already and you'll suffer for it. We really don't want that, Hector called out. Ari, stay and talk with us. We are not unreasonable and we wish to come to a solution that can appease everyone and keep the humans safe. Ari stopped, but he didn't turn around. No, he said. Nothing is going to change how much the humans love you. You've already disrupted the way the world is meant to be. The only way to fix this problem is by getting rid of you. And then... With those ominous words, he walked back into the temple with the priest quickly following at his heels. Hey guys, Mystic here. Help support the podcast with monthly donations. Reviewing novels is a highlight of my life, and I adore all of your novels and comments. Help us keep the podcast alive and to help pay our wonderful team of editors and voice actors. Till next time, catch you guys later. The townspeople slowly rose to their feet and they looked with fear in their eyes to the monarchs. They obviously didn't understand what this might mean. Were they going to lose the guardians that protected them? Were they going to have to live in fear every day that the monsters were coming and they had no one to save them? Lord Ari won't kill you, right? A little girl standing near a piña asked in a frightened voice. She was holding a straw doll that was probably meant to look like one of the monarchs. Children often played games that involved acting as the monarchs after all. Me. A piña replied with a small smile to the child. 
Lord Ali needs time to understand that we are not here to take his place in the world. We are here to help him understand. Please, don't worry, Dari said as she held her hands out to the pupil graciously. We will make sure you all remain safe tonight and in the future. Everything will be settled. Just trust us. The people still seemed apprehensive, but they slowly began to return to their regular chatter and their work. The innkeeper gestured for the monarchs to follow them into the inn and showed them the largest rooms for themselves and their servants. They all sat down while Luca had his servant remove the heavy armor he'd been wearing. Luca, why'd you have to antagonize Ari like that? Min he asked as he laid down on the bed and yawned. I think he's really upset with us now. He certainly is, Dari agreed. I've never heard him threaten us like that before. I was just saying what everyone wished they could say. Luca muttered as the servant set aside the breastplate and began taking off his greaves. He's just, He's trying, just trying to frighten us, us but, I'm, but not I'm not afraid. He's not He's going, not to, going do to do anything, anything to, us. to us. I think he is, actually, Min, he argued. He's never threatened to kill us, and I think he meant it. I hope it's not too late to fix this, Dari said with a small shrug as she ran her fingers through the tight curls of her hair, which were quite frizzy from the heat. We can't be careless with our words anymore, and maybe we shouldn't accept any gifts for a while. We can ask them to take their gifts to the temples instead. We are lesser than immortals, and it's not the order of things. Apina said as she reached over to smack Luca's knee with her palm. So you need to keep your mouth shut. Luca frowned at her, and he glanced aside and didn't seem to want to speak any further on the matter. Dari worried that the interaction with Ari was going to lead to more danger for them. She knew it wasn't really Luca's fault, even if he fanned the flames. Ari was angry at them before he had even said a word. She just hoped they hadn't ducked themselves into a hole too deep. That story never ceases to get me. Ugh, sorry guys, I left you guys on like a big cliffhanger. But at the same time, if you want to know more about the story or read more about the story, then you can always find it up on Inkit. Inkit is full of amazing writers. So guys, Six Guardians by Jillian Hope on Inkit. But I forgot to mention this in the intro, so let me go over her file in Google Forms. Basically, the genre of this story is fantasy and adventure. So, basically, I saw the fantasy, loved the fantasy. Saw the adventure, loved the adventure. But I saw specks of drama and also action and horror because we had that big fighting scene. And we already know that a story just can't be one thing in it by itself. It has to have extra key components to it. Like, a story is not just fantasy or a story is not just horror. It has other key elements that had it has other key elements to help build off of the story to help elevate it to the point of maximum capacity at least for me also i love the fact that you literally in your story summary you put the actual summary from your story in the story summary slot i find it amazing of how many of you guys actually don't do that and i end up skipping over your um google form because guys like you gotta do the form properly unless it looks unprofessional and 
some people won't read them some do catch my eyes and i'm like oh i really i'm happy that i actually did reading this reading this i'm actually happy that i did read this because at first i wasn't going to because the google form was not filled out properly and stuff like that so yeah like you guys have to do it properly like I, it's just like you just got to. i it's you, you just got to it looks so much better and it makes my job like 20 million times more easy but aside from that i really 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 oh my god like 70 million times really you filled the form properly hand claps and kudos to you aside from that guys the target audience is 16 and up so if you guys are not 16 and up do not read the story i usually only give the warnings for 18 and up stories but at the same time you can never be too cautious especially when the story is rated 16 and up so if you're not right if you're not 16 and up don't be on here don't read the story but if you want to be a little sus about it you can read the story because i actually find it so very fascinating Another thing, they've been writing for a lot of you guys. Shoot, almost as long as me, and almost longer than me, if anything. It's just beautiful. Love long-time writers, whether you're a vet or amateur, or you're just starting out, or you've been writing for a while, you're just getting the hang of it. Like, I feel like all writing is subjective. It's not about how long you've been writing. You can be a veteran writer and literally write a story, and it can be complete shit. But at the same time, you can write, like, you can be an amateur and also write an amazing story, sometimes even better than the one of a veteran. But that's just my take of view on it. He also rated their writing capabilities at a 7, and after reading through their story, I would have to agree that their capabilities are at a 7 or 6, literally right in between that 7-6 margin. The plot of the story is not the bad part for me, if anything, the events are lined up, but I just wish there was just a little bit more detail. But we're going to go into that critique later on in life, and speaking of, that's everything on their file now let's go into my notes and read you guys a little bit of what i thought of the story besides it being completely so freaking cool they're like the avengers or the guardians of the galaxy at least to me like lucas is a mood but my notes for this story is it has a low mood and tone for novels and like it's so down to earth i really like it it's a smooth read it's very like i wish it was a little bit more detailed like i've mentioned earlier but at the same time, it really gives a nice feel for it, and I generally like the story. But aside from that, the summary itself is very alluring and holds a lot of interest and attention for readers. It's smooth, and the events line up more or less with the story within itself, so it gives you the basic information without over-exaggerating what's going to happen in the story and completely, like, just oh, spoiling it. And we all know we already hate spoilers. Already know we already hate spoilers. Aside from that, I have a little bit of character analysis within this. It's not a lot, so guys, don't be like, oh my god, character analysis. Not a lot, guys. For me, I only picked the three, four main characters that I thought, like, interested me the most. Dari seemed humble and leads the group with an even head, even, like, and stuff like that, and shows good characteristics of a leader. A leader is somebody who is proud and literally helps everybody out to the best of their capabilities, putting their teammates before their own self and just so much more. It just really, really, really works out well. At least to me it does. Like, I can really appreciate an honest good leader, especially the selfless ones, you know? You cannot find a lot of those. Um, Minhi is a mood to a certain extent because in the bidding, bidding, in the beginning, he's just dozing off, looking around, not even caring that much, barely speaks, 
at the same time, Minhi, like, when he's paying attention, he'd be like, oh, we're doing this now. Yikes. Like, he's, like, the type of person who'd be like, oh, I missed 15 minutes of this conversation. What's happening? We're all gonna die? Ouch. Like, he just gives me, like, those, like, last-minute type of person vibes. But I feel like he means well. My third character for me is Hector. Hector is lovable and really down-to-earth. He'll do anything to help somebody. He, I feel like he portrays an average person through the story. Like, he is the type of person you would connect through through the story. Because he's the one who lays down all the bases for it being emotional. Laying down all the bases for pulling you into the story and feeling what Hector's feeling. Feeling what the characters in the story are feeling. You feel through Hector. And Hector is a perfect, perfect, perfect person to break the fourth wall and bring readers in. That's really, really good on your part. My last and favorite character out of every one of them is Lucas. Because we can all agree, Lucas is a vibe. He has no shame and he tells it like it is. He's that one person think like saying what everyone's thinking like. Like, are we not going to address the burning building in front of us? Are we not going to address that this guy is literally a butthole and it's literally not our fault that like humans like us more than you? Like, bro, tell us how that's your problem. Snap, snap, hip. Tell it like it is, sis. Oof, spicy, spicy boy. Aside from that, the cliffhanger on, on End of the Prologue was so great, and I really did like it. And it changes scenery and action, ripples to the story suddenly, and it draws even more attention to the novel within itself. Because first we're going through a god little immortal threatening them, saying, Hey, you're taking my gifts away from the humans, and they should be worshiping me, not you. Lucas says, Well, if you did your damn job, maybe they actually pay attention to you, because we're doing the most of it for you. And then he's like, okay, I see how it is. I'll end the both of you. 11 years later, they're in this huge, massive war on, like, death pile. It's crazy, crazy upturn. But even more so, I, the story goes along. It moves along. And you don't want to have a slow story where people are like, oh my god, just get to the ending of it. Oh my god, when is this going to happen? You're dragging this out. You're doing too much. You idiot. Like, it's just too much. You have a nice story that flows along beautifully beautifully and not a lot of people can do that so hand claps to you for doing so one of my last notes it has great technique and writing style and it never fails to disappoint the plot is great it's the plot is great and it's also very clear and descriptive details and stuff like that are not that well though that is like a great plot but the descriptive details and like the clear setting of it needs to be more like the village and like the homes and the acupuncture and the aggie texture and features of like what we're looking at i know we're in a forest but how is the forest is it rainy is it smooth is it creepy is it happy is it somewhere you want to be is it somewhere you don't want to be how is the villagers home structure what type of era are we getting into because i'm getting a feeling that we're kind of like in a more medieval era but at the same time at the same time we need to be able to visualize this more we need to be able to see these actual things like how the home structure what are the people wearing are them like like what are their type of style of hairstyling like you know like little more descriptive details who really really nail on the head and pull you into the story aside from that it has good grammar and good punctuation and i rate the story a four out of five it's really really good besides those descriptive detail things this is truly truly guys a good story i would definitely read it as a 4.8 in fantasy up on inkhead and i 
overall growth I'm rating 4.5 for me since I'm being generous. I generally like the story. It's just nice. Lucas is babes and anybody who says otherwise next you're gonna tell me that he's so good is not babes. Like sure he may be a pedophile but that's not the point. He's attracted to power not little kids. Wink. But aside from that um really really good job Jillian and so much more I enjoyed your story and guys read it up on it again and this is a um this is a chronicle this is only book one of the of the guardian chronicles I'm sure there are more but for the lack of time and for the lack of me being too lazy to actually go through and find which ones are which look through yourselves and I bet you guys would have a really really good time reading such but aside from that enough of me blabbing on and on and on Thank you guys for listening out today. Thank you to all the readers and voice actors and so much more for making this episode possible. Hopefully you guys have a wonderful rest of your day as we've kept it real on Mystical Mode. Catch you guys later.